Hi, this is These Are Bad Movies. I'm Amanda Ferriante. And I'm Amy Bell. And this week, we have Charlie. Hi. How's it going? Yeah. To you guys. We're glad to have you. Yeah. Although, it's interesting to have you, because we didn't know you before. I know. We just met in person today, but Charlie is one of our more engaged uh, Facebook users. So just saying, other people that listen. If you love attention <laughs> or, and are willing to put up with talking to Amy. Shush. <laughs> uh, well, I've, I've, I've been quite attended to as I've been here. But, yeah, we're yeah. having a great time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a feeling we're going to continue having a great time. Or we may find out after watching a movie that we, in fact, all hate each other, and it might be the last episode. Every episode has that element of danger, and that's what I kind of like about it, is that it may be the last time Amanda and I are friends, even. It's nice to have a potential built-in excuse to just end it all. (laughs) It it, it could basically be the Bible. It always ends in apocalypse. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... Charlie, you picked the movie. I did. That's right. What is the movie? Uh, it's The Edge. It's with uh, it's with Alec Baldwin, and Anthony Hopkins, and probably some other people who I don't remember at the moment. Uh, and a bear. Okay. And a bear. I wait. And a bear. And a bear. Okay. Yes. A, a, like a, a an actual bear. Cool. Okay. Apparently, apparently and, likes to eat people. And and. You're bringing it to us because it's a bad movie or because you like it and want to be roasted? What? Uh, because it's my favorite movie and I will die on this hill. Oh. But other people perceive it as bad? Uh, Are you a The Edge apologist? Let's, let's, let's put it this way. Um, it depends on how, how much uh, value you give to blockbusters and how much it's sold because it didn't sell very well. But a lot of people have come back to it and said it's pretty good movie it was just very overlooked hmm. okay this could be you know this movie this podcast is called these are bad movies i know but i'm, I'm here to challenge you okay so you think we're gonna end up having opinions i hope you have opinions that's why i'm here okay but okay. um whether they're good or bad i would like to think that they'd be good by the end oh wait are you one of those people who goes online and says debate me and did we fall for your trap ha huh. Um, no, I, I hate people too much to, be, to debate them. Okay. They tend to be idiots. Okay. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not enough of a contrarian, um, to be that way, but I do like to challenge people. Not so. enough of a contrarian, but brought your favorite movie to the, these are bad movies podcast. Assuming we would hey, yo, what happens? You. Yeah. What happens if we like it? And we what don't, are you going to do, do then? Um, well, we don't then, publish. Then, then I, then I get free popcorn. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, let's, <laughs> let's find out. Um, because it's, I mean, just Alec Baldwin makes me think maybe no for me. Yeah. Uh, I know, I know, I know. I mean, the boss uh, baby man. <laughs> Al- Alec Baldwin is probably not the best part of the movie. I'll, I'll Imagine. Put it, put it that much. But, <laughs> what? Um, you know, Anthony Hopkins usually saves the movie season. So. Except for Thor Ragnarok when he phones it in. <laughs> That was hilarious. I don't even remember him in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, because he phoned it in so hard. They're really? Act, they're acting around him like he's a piece of furniture. 
Well, he's he's old enough. He could be a piece of furniture. Oh, and and you're gonna have your Hannibal connection. Thank you, Amy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just gonna quo, notice please. that. Bing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. I liked it. Mm, okay. I mean, I I had fun. I had fun. But what I want to know. What makes this le- movie rise to favorite movie level? Yeah, that is a good question. Okay. Well, um, there's a few reasons. One, for me as a rule with literature or cinema, I think that the best movies and the best books have the simplest plots. And the plot here is pretty simple. It's okay. Pe- maybe we should maybe we should do the plot. The plot? Yeah. Okay. Well, the plot more or less is it's a billionaire and his entourage. They go to Alaska. They decide to go find um, some some guy to be a model, and they have to fly out to the uh, forest. The airplane crashes. He's a native mountain man, <laughs> yeah. and just really looks right the and. Part. And so the the plane crashes, and you're left with three characters. You're left with um, Charles Morse, Anthony Hopkins' character. You're left with Bob, who's uh, Alec Baldwin's character, and Stephen, and I forget that actor's name. But he was in the third Matrix movie. He was. And so you're left with those three, and more or less the rest of the plot is about them surviving with a bear. Harold Perrineau. There That's we go. There we name. go. It is. Yeah. And um the the rest of the plot more or less is built on them um handling a bear that's stalking them. Steven I guess spoiler alert. Um it's been out since 97 but whatever. Um Steven dies. He gets ripped apart by the bear. The other two end up surviving, becoming frenemies uh more or less. And then, um, well, because Alec Baldwin's character is clearly having an affair with Anthony Hopkins' wife, who well, is a younger woman, right, and a model. Mm-hmm. Yep, right. And, and so Anthony Hopkins is an older, rich guy. It's it's the traditional money marriage. Um, and so there, there's basically before everything happens, there's already a bit of a tension because of um, illicit affairs, and so. What happens is, is they end up finally overcoming the bear and killing it. Um, they tried to, to use your term, Amy, they tried to Looney Tunes it. At first. <laughs> totally it was to Looney Tunes it. Yeah. They, like yeah. they made an X out of sticks that like when the bear stood on the X, they released a thing that was like a wrecking ball with pointy yeah, branches they had to, they on had it. They sharpen a lot of spikes and affixed them to, it was actually a boulder. And then rope to hoist the bol- the spiky boulder ball into the treetops. But it was the X marks the spot that was like, they are Looney Tunesing a freaking bear. Right, and, and the, the funny thing is is that it didn't even work. Which is probably the most accurate part of that. <laughs> right. It and gets, how Looney Tunesing uh, turns out most yeah, of the time. Yeah, it gets right. like on the back swing because it misses the first time. It like tumbles into some trees slows the momentum the only thing that would have made it more looney tunes is if when it hit him 
he had like birds tweeting right. around his head yeah. and then like shook it off and like but it didn't even hit him at right speed. Yeah. Uh, yeah exactly and so but they finally overcome the bear um after doing that and they um they killed the uh they killed the bear after trying to do the the trap and it didn't work and ultimately it ends with alec baldwin attempting to betray anthony hopkins character murder uh, betray through murder yeah Yeah. and then he falls into a a deadfall which is a trap for bears with spikes also kind of looney tunesy right yeah but that's less right of a thing right and and it's easier to to build a uh built to dig a hole than do contraptions right well it depends on if you have a shovel (laughs) this is a good point well plus plus (laughs) well plus the deadfall was already pre-set up eye rolling like like they didn't build the 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 deadfall amy the guy who built the cabin which they also didn't build did Right. I un- unfortunately there there's a lot of details that would make this make more sense. But more or less, um he attempts to betray Anthony Hopkins by killing him, falls in the deadfall. Anthony Hopkins character saves him or tries to. He dies. And then he dies from Not by Anthony Hopkins. N- not not by Anthony Hopkins. But as the rescue helicopter is coming down right. the land, he's just yeah, like ba- I'm gone. Yeah, ba- basically he dies <laughs> before, you know, being saved. And then Anthony Hopkins goes back. He gives a press interview where he says he was saved by his friends. More or less secretly lets his wife know that he knows that she's been cheating on him. And that's the end. Yeah, but okay. if, if you wanted to condense that a lot, it's people went to Alaska, got lost in the woods, stalked by a bear, and survived. Okay, and people meaning person. Yeah, person <laughs> starts with people, ends with person. Yes, yes, and and so that you know you were saying that the simple plots, right? Because I think that simple plots allow for the development of characters and understanding of the environment. And for the story to have themes that aren't hindered by plot development. I'm actually on board with this point because I, like, growing up reading young adult fiction like Harry Potter, a series of unfortunate events, etc., etc., I was really into longer stories, right? Uh huh. And then I read Of Mice and Men, uh huh, which takes place over like two days. And I was like, all right, all these other people wasting all these words just need to get good. And that won't stop me from reading something longer, but it it's like, work on your editing is how I feel about movies, too. Two-hour movies, work on your editing. Yeah, I, I agree. And um, it doesn't hurt to have a really stellar cast no it does not hurt. when you're gonna have something simple and character focused i mean even the bear was really good that was good bear it was a real bear it was bert the bear bert's got chops right and and he and um the sad thing is is that this was the last movie that he actually i mean if like if that's the end of your career right well yeah no he's nothing to spit out the bear's swan song yeah i was gonna say he he ended it on a strong note that was good bear in that Um, movie 
But yeah, so that's the first reason is I enjoy movies with simple plots. Um, you know, outside of David Lynch, not very many people can pull off complicated 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 plots and let's be honest david lynch doesn't even pull it off as well as some david <laughs> lynch fans would style. like to convince you oh yeah the Absolute style. style sure right but, but it- <laughs> and, and if and if your your story is less about linear clear logic factual could happen then well, right. some, if all some, bets are off, then David. Yeah. There are stories where it's all just about the emotion, right? Know? Right, and and also I feel like most David Lynch movies that the characters really don't matter. Yeah. Like they're supposed to matter, perhaps, but it doesn't seem like they do matter. You could you could like you know put anybody in there. For an extreme example, being John Malkovich uh-huh. doesn't make a lot of sense in real life. No, right, but. You understand the story that's being told. Yes, yes. Yeah. No. So that's that's the first reason. The uh, second reason that it's a favorite of mine is that to me it's a very existential movie, um, and I enjoy existential philosophy. So, for example, if you notice the friendship that develops between um, Charles Morse and Bob is entire it's based entirely upon the fact that they have a conflict that brings them together the bear they have the bear right and, and the, alaska yeah yeah i mean stuck in right. the woods right and so in in sartrean philosophy uh sartre's work the idea is that people who are you know people who relate to each other are going to relate in a sadomasochistic dynamic unless there's a third party um, that usually allows for the conflict to be projected elsewhere. So that's like the bear. And then when the bear was gone, right? They the yeah. conflict was with each other. Yeah, and so that's you, why you can that's see why how he that ends... plays out. But like generally speaking, across the population, it's like, yikes, dude, you okay? Well, yeah. He, well, he, he he ended he ended his ma- his uh, magna magna opus um, being a nothingness. He ended it by saying that man is a useless passion. So yeah, he's pretty depressed. Pretty depressed, but um, but you can see it with the bear, for example. Once the bear is gone, that's when Bob decides to um, betray and try to kill Charles. Well, once the bear is gone, and he has a route back home, right? And yeah, and so more or less, once the conflict leaves, you know, and and so that's the that's the interesting thing. One of the interesting things about it, another existential aspect of it is if you you notice that they start off in a certain position and a certain way of living and then as they journey they get to the point where like he was saying that when he gets back he's gonna change his life he's gonna start a new life you know he, he was constantly saying this but if you notice once you get full circle nothing changes he he, he comes back and well he didn't you, come back well no i mean uh charles when uh, oh, okay. yeah when charles comes back because charles is the one who says that he wants to have a new life and he wants to i think he says start over well i think he can i think he's in the process of that where we leave him at the movie because he's breaking it off with mickey yeah i didn't take it as breaking it off right exactly i mean that that's just not something especially the older you get i think the less likely that uh, infidelity is just an automatic. It's over. Well, it's more of a 
Well, this is something we've got to work on. Here's how I read. Or here's the here's the internal story I got from the movie. I really liked Anthony Hopkins' character. Don't laugh, Amy. <laughs> Amanda was thirsting so hard for Anthony Hopkins. I mean, she was like, wow, yeah, I get that bear. Tony. Tony. Wrestle it. She's like, she's like, you could give me mouth to mouth. I wonder how many people have gotten to snuggle with Anthony Hopkins. She, she, she was she was speaking seductively throughout the movie, just little whispers, whispers of encouragement to Anthony Hopkins, she which I one hundred percent think is because she watched that as Hannibal Lecter playing a guy stuck on a mount, mountain. <laughs> no, although close enough. Um, no, like from the beginning of the movie, this guy is so clearly separated from the rest of the entourage like he is emotionally and mentally distanced from them whether or not that's intentional right yeah and then he's thrust into this scenario where there's this reliance and more uh high stakes interplay like he's managing steven and bob's emotions because that's necessary for survival Right, like he he's he's given Stephen things to distract himself with. He's giving Bob motivational talks, like you can kill the bear. <laughs> yes, um, and he's suddenly so much more involved in the group than he was before the plane crash, and it seems like he's thriving, like that kid, like. He read my side of a mountain as a kid and just tucked it away. <laughs> and I love that. I'm so into that. I used, as a little kid, I would watch hunting instructional videos <laughs> for fun because my childhood was sad. Um, but like. Oh, I liked wilderness survival stuff. I'm saying I didn't have a lot else. Oh, yeah, except for like. Learning how to fly airplanes. No, I meant young, baby. Like... I was doing that at 16. When I was <laughs> five, I was learning where to find grubs and how to tell how hydrated you were based on the color of your urine. Did you eat a grub? No, but I did create... Would you eat a grub? It depends. I want to see you eat a grub. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I did like end up making a... Um, sun tinfoil oven and making ramen in a boiled egg like from one of the videos that's like i was very into it um and so this you might have been raised by wolves it has been said (laughs) (laughs) so see so i was just like go anthony hopkins go like my man like yes obviously this is what you should do make the compass fool like, I was here for just random white person let loose in the wilderness. Like, I got this. And and so you think that, <laughs> that was a mood. I was gonna say. So you think that indicates that he was gonna change his life at the? Well, he said he said repeatedly. Right. Yeah. And I think, um, like the emotional 
like he emotes so much more the longer we're in the woods, right? Right. Um, they do. Their their characters just devolve into madness in a really wonderful. good way. It was um, better than a lot of movies depict the fall into madness trope from from circumstances. Yeah, right. Like any of us is susceptible under enough stress, and and it was crash- so believable too because like Anthony Hopkins was an insufferable know it all. That asked really dumb questions. And honestly, I kind of felt uh, some kinship with him on that. I was so, I know, yes. I know I people like, have looked at me like, you gotta keep I don't, the spirits up. Like, I don't care about situation. that information. How about some trivia? Like, yeah, no, I know that I've been the person that's like, Amy, I don't, I don't care about what you're talking about. And watching Alec Baldwin just be like, ah, <laughs> yeah, it's like, that is how people would react, but they're wrong. <laughs> Like, if we did a Harry Potter-style sorting quiz with Stephen, Bob, and Charles, I would be a Charles, is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I see, I see yeah. what you're saying. Same. Right? Right. Well, may- maybe I should I should tweak that a little bit. Because te- or the bear. Because, <laughs> because <laughs> technically, um, the movie leaves it on a cliffhanger as to whether he'll change or not. And so, well, and I think that's what the final line "They saved my life" would be about because they didn't actually, right, yeah, in he, reality, he, save his life. Yeah. But if you're referring to his internal journey and attitude towards his own existence, then I think that line makes more sense. Right, it, but it could also just be a signifier that he's leaving the entire event in the past. And forgetting about everything that happened yeah, there in like truth. He, like he closes it off with a lie as mm-hmm. a way to, you know, kind of... I just don't know the that there's any well, I, I like should... precedent for that direction. Right. Well, and I, I should put it this way. Existentialism deals with the fact that people like to change. But often, at least the way, let's say, Sartre puts it, is oftentimes you will attempt to change by kind of fleeing who you are. Mm-hmm. But then you end up coming back to it. Maybe not exactly the same way as you were, but mm-hmm. it kind of. And so that's the pessimism for Sarcho. So, but maybe maybe it's a more optimistic take. Maybe it's the idea that you can have that journey. Well, but I think that's the nature of leaving it on a cliffhanger. Is that mm-hmm. there's multiple ways to interpret it. Amanda's I, sitting there going, "No, he changed," and I'm going, "It didn't look like it to me." It's not necessarily his outward life that would change, but his attitude towards it. Right. right. Like one of the things that feeds into this this whole cycle stuff is he starts the movie just wandering around reading his his wilderness book, right? Uh-huh. And then um they've killed a bear, they've wandered through the woods for like four days. Um he's you know gearing up no, he's already had the confrontation right. with Bob, Alec Baldwin, like a man tried to kill him and shoot him. He dragged him out of a bear trap in the ground and put him on a table and, like, is doing backwoods medicine on this guy. <laughs> and a guy passes out, and they're going to spend the night there. So he just starts reading the little pamphlet in the cabin they found. Yeah. Like, actually, this is a a well-written movie in terms of character. Okay, so can we get to the point about why it's a bad movie, though? Um. Yes, we we can if you want. I was going to add uh, 
I'll, I'll do it real quick. So the third and final thing that makes it to me an existential movie and your favorite and the favorite is that it's uh it involves the alienation of individuals and how they attempt to overcome that because like you pointed out at the beginning he's pretty closed off from everybody else from the entourage Mm -hmm. he's forced to a situation where he has to reach past his alienation and it seems though that he he almost returns to it but again that's up for interpretation Mm -hmm. and the 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 final reason that i like it is um outside of it being an existential movie is that I feel as though it um so I'll 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 start this by kind of asking a question you guys are aware of the idea of the quote-unquote crisis of masculinity that played out through movies like deliverance and straw dogs and I've not seen either I I, oh well yeah i've seen deliverance uh, i haven't seen straw dogs a crisis well, of masculinity just sounds like our culture it, yeah well and deliverance was kind of like a a, a rape movie oh but basically it's the idea is that man getting yeah. raped whoa yeah yeah and then they wind up murdering some people mm-hmm. because they think that basically everyone that lives in the backwoods is now a rapist right and they get really afraid of just regular people right. after being raped Right, and so huh. the so and so in the huh. the what's interesting though is that the journey that goes through Deliverance and Straw Dogs is similar to the 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 um, way that this story goes, where it takes people who seem domesticated or suburban, or in this case, a billionaire, puts them into a situation like being in the woods by themselves. And then they have to come out on the other end. And before anybody argues, he probably wasn't depicted as a billionaire in 1997 because that wasn't um, like no. Like now, if you said a millionaire, people would be like, "That's yes. silly." Yes, right. Um, but you know, but one it, of the wealthiest people of the time. Yeah, this right. guy looked like he owned a mid-sized airplane. Right. Not a private jetliner. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. He he wasn't he wasn't a Bezos or anything like that, but. Um, but the, the general theme of the crisis of masculinity is to take people who are in society, take them out of society and then make them have to come back. And we only see half of that in this movie. Well, well, and that's, that's what I find interesting about this movie is I think it may not be a good response, but it's an attempt at response to the crisis of masculinity movies where instead of having the men kind of devolve into animalistic instincts like in deliverance Mm -hmm. you have anthony hopkins character who's telling them to think yeah they're getting psychological even with the bear and he keeps his humanity Mm -hmm. and that he doesn't let the man who just tried to kill him die right the other thing would have been interesting too right right well right and also but like also murder i mean it's anthony hopkins right and and also at, at one point even there's a point where bob starts freaking out and he tells bob don't go native on me and so it, it seems to be an attempt the movie's an attempt to kind of answer that crisis of masculinity Is by that what he said he he did but he he's meaning he was meaning native in the sense of like don't like, be instinctual don't be animalistic like barbaric yeah yeah or, barbaric or offensive yeah in yeah. the way he meant it right yeah okay. and so he he's that's, referring to that's like still don't pretty be, offensive that's yeah, what it, i meant it, it, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is actually offensive yeah, yeah. It, it, it is offensive and it, 
I, I don't think the character meant it that way, but it's still... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the other... That's, like, that's one of the things we're going to have to talk right. about. Right. Yeah. Definitely. So, so I have... So, yeah, let's yeah. segue on to that. There, there are definitely several points. Uh, despite the really good acting, the agreed simple plot, um, and the character development that was pretty yeah. uh, primo... I think that the plot was also handled well. Yeah. But it it does the racist tropes. Yes. Uh, it does the, you know, the I don't even want to say it, but like noble savage is what I think they were going for. Yeah, which is weird because not even really on screen. Yeah, but they but they were searching for him. They were searching for him, and he existed, but he literally never said a word. Yes. So, well, so and, and they treat him the entire time as a prop, right. which yes, is very interesting. Yes, so, yes. so an interesting take on that, because you are correct, especially, um, for example, when Alec Baldwin's character first comes in and sees the picture and his immediate thought is, oh, this was taken the, what was it, 18th century, mm-hmm. he said. So it's definitely offensive. But if you want to take an interpretive look when, at when it. When the photo was taken. Well, right, and yeah, and yeah, right. Alec Baldwin wants to literally use him as a prop. Right. The reason they are lost yeah. in the woods is because they go out searching for this native mountain man. Yep. Right. Because he's going to look real good in a photograph with the sexy blonde woman yeah. dressed up like a native. Yeah, exactly. Yes. It's It's definitely a form of cultural appropriation. And it's definitely very let's say american in a mis- very misdirected way where he's he's looking for something to be a prop and a commodity well, to and that's that's not the only aspect of you know white colonizer culture butting up against native american culture in this movie because there's also the the symbolism of the jaguar and the smoking rabbit throughout and um like even the the weapon they use to kill the bear is taken from a depiction of a native man killing a bear so something something interesting and this is what i mean by taking an interpretive look where um you know maybe it's not exactly what the movie meant because the movie was made in the late 90s so it, mm-hmm. it, 97 right 97 but if you want to take a look at it interpretively I would say it almost could be seen as saying that white people looking for some sort of weird colonizer style of Native American going out looking for it, that it's not real. It's something that they've made up and Mm -hmm. they're trying to appropriate a culture that they can't appropriate. That's a way to read it. I don't think it was the intent. Well, oh, no. Yeah, it's not the intent. That's why. But the author is dead. Yeah, it's 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 definitely an interpretation of mine. Okay. As well as the Native American uh, issue, you also had a, like, first opening scene of the movie. A black man steps out of the plane and it's like, oh, he's going to die. Because movies like this treat black men... Mm -hmm. Like Star Trek treats the red shirts. Yeah. Yes. Although in Star Trek, the red shirts do usually come back in the next episode. Yeah. Well, right. right. It, it definitely plays on that um, uh, trope, which we can see in various different movies, especially in the 90s and the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's almost like the um, the, char- uh, the character is black to show the 
egalitarian and progressive nature of the movie and the directors and all of that stuff kind of tokenism it's tokenism and it's um their character black men were always cast in roles that the sole purpose was to show that the white guys were actually in danger because until the black man dies you don't see the full effect of the gravity of their situation. Yes, he dies by bear. And to get a step removed, the order of deaths once the plane has crashed goes Stephen, the black man, who is the photographer's assistant. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason this happens is while being tasked with, with sharpening a stick so they can maybe do something with it, his hand slips and he presumably cuts himself pretty badly, but not mortally. And then later that night around the campfire, they're doing campfire things. They'd, they'd previously run into the bear and made it away. Um, we see that Bob, Anthony Baldwin's character, has taken a rag, so like a white one, so as to signal to anyone passing overhead, like, hey, we're down here. But it also has blood on it, and and this has scented them for the bear. So it is his boss's actions that actually take him out. And then it's the photographer, and the man who walks out of the woods is the rich guy. Yeah. So it's like, well, and degrees. and to be fair, the the first death is actually the pilot. Yeah, but that but like But the pilot you don't even you barely see the pilot. If we're face. talking about the gauntlet in this movie right. that everyone's going yeah. through, it is these three men. Right. And that is the order of elimination. Right. Like and the gauntlet doesn't start until they get out of the plane. Right. Yeah, I agree. And and you could probably ar- also argue from sort of a Marxist analysis that it's a reinforcement of capitalism where the billionaire is a billionaire because he's so resourceful yeah he's Mm -hmm. so innovative and resourceful that he makes it um and so those are all valid uh definitely um and i think the only way to avoid them is sort of a interpretive take which which doesn't rely on the entire movie so you're can we get to my biggest problem what's your biggest problem because we didn't get to mine yet actually the inaccurate bear response that's how i that's me too i think the worst part about it was the depiction of man versus nature and depicting nature as a greater threat to man than man is to nature oh they could have burned that whole wood down i'm not even getting into that amy i'm like i grew up west coast brown bear is my bear the kodiak bear in here is just a bigger grizzly yes right so that that's just my bear squared you don't run from those guys. Anybody who knows Brown Bear knows you don't run because uh-huh. they will get you. What yeah. do they spend the entire movie doing? Running. And guess who gets got? Yeah, all, almost all well, of them. Well, and in addition, Brown Bears don't stalk humans. Typically. Like a freaking tiger. Not just typically. I mean... Oh, no, 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 no. I've looked this up. The Kodiak Bear has only killed humans when there was uh when they were hunters alone and had fresh kills so typically they will leave you alone unless bothered right Uh uh-huh 
Um, so, you know, if you're out camping, you know, be with groups because the more hubba uh-huh. the less likely they're going to think, oh, snack. Um, however, when I was, you know, doing my cursory search, I say, fight grizzly bear with fire <laughs> is my search. The second result, New York Times, July 22nd, a grizzly bear terrorized a man for days in Alaska. <laughs> The bear came back every night to try to get him, and everyone involved was like, weird. <laughs> so it's unusual, but if a bear decides you are going to die, chances are the bear's going to have his way. Well, right. but well, this was a Kodiak bear. Right. Well, yeah. But this Alaska right. brown bear, well, it was going to be a Kodiak in this story too, Amy. Well... It, well, and also to be fair, also when when uh, this shows Anthony Hopkins' character running away from the bear and the bear's not catching up, they can run like what thirty five miles an hour or something. Ish, so yeah, yeah you, you're not going to run away from no. the bear, not like that. No, yeah. But you know, some of that stuff I think is is a matter of convenience for but the story. A bear yeah. unprovoked attacking a group of people, mm-hmm. stalking right. them. Yes is it's not, not it's bear bizarro. behavior. It's not bear behavior, and it makes. Uh, a natural force into a villain in this movie. It's right. almost the fairy tale. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But yeah. depicted as reality. Right. But, you know, people people react to uh, animals that are being per- portrayed as evil. Well, Joss. I, I don't know if Joss. you... Joss. Yeah, Joss. Joss. Afraid people are of great white sharks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, I don't know if you two remember this. You might be a bit young. But when... Um, Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter, stingrays died. Mm. People took revenge on stingrays. Mm-hmm. Right? No, we're, we're, yeah, I we're remember monkeys. Yeah. So to depict at this and the acting chops on Bert the bear, he was so good. What a good boy! Right. Like what a good boy. And I appreciated the camera work with the bear too, because that's how you would look at a bear if it was trying to kill you. Uh huh. Right. It was all snout. Yeah, yeah. Right. But, but you know, Bert the Bear really was setting his species back with his depiction of a stocky For bear. For the man. I mean, he had to make a living, Amy. Now, Bear, I guess so. Right. Now, uh, now, a counterpoint to the unrealistic aspects. I think there are some parts of it that are realistic that are appreciated. So, for example, at the beginning when he does his, his compass and they end up just coming in a circle. Mm-hmm. Or, for example, okay, when... that would only be realistic if they didn't notice the large body of water. Well, no, right, no, but the the, <laughs> the, the, the point the point is is that I I feel well, like there's after cert- after trauma and shock, people do stupid things. Well, yeah, and I, I was gonna say that's what I I should say. Maybe it's not necessarily a dose of realism, but they allow for sort of a fallibility and a stupidity to the and characters. And that is nice. Yeah, because like for example, you know I. I could not see myself killing a bear, but I could see myself going in a circle because I don't know where I am mm-hmm. and, and making that kind of mistake. Well, and they did start to build it up as though Anthony Hopkins character was going to do the uh, super genius as the superpower. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the only reason super genius stories work is because the person who wrote them knew the outcome. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. There, There is no omniscient person. Who can do what the the yeah. super genius? No, this is a guy right. character can do, who and read it a lot looked of like field they were doing guys. this. Yeah, 
This is a guy who read a and lot of... And messed yeah. it up, which was... I, right. I agree. And, and laughed at himself. Right. Which, like, mood. Yeah. We're gonna die, but, I mean, I guess my compass trick didn't work. Right. Shucks. <laughs> right. And so the, that's what I appreciated, is that uh, the the supposed innovative billionaire genius was uh, undercut by, the, by various forms of uh, stupidity well, and fallibility. And he... Uh, he cited his work. He'd be like, this is something that, you know, young men in in native tribes and in different groups in Africa yeah. have learned to do. Yeah. We can do it, too. He's not coming up with this stuff himself. Right. And and that's the that's kind of where I got that interpretation I was talking about earlier, where it's kind of a, you know, they're going out to look for something that's not you know the whatever idealized mm-hmm. thing that the photographer was looking for is not real and they're they're having to revert to things that are actually real mm-hmm. but um interestingly enough though um so i i think the stupidities and the fallibility sort of um balance out the inaccuracies i think not completely because you know there, there are certain things like the bear chasing people. That's kind of a convenience. That's well, kind of I mean, make the story. Go. I've never read Moby Dick, but are whales really like that? No. Yeah. Uh, whale, whales like, don't, don't. Whales don't come after people. Yeah, like, they also don't bite off your legs. Like nature as metaphor for a greater power, right? Is not so unusual. It's just. Maybe we've gotten a little dumber right. as a people in reading that kind of story. Well, and also maybe it's not meant to be literal. Maybe it's, you know. But And that's what I mean. Right. And, yeah. and we've well, just gotten worse at reading But them. when you're talking about Moby Dick, there was a time when man did not have dominion over nature. Uh, when the wild really was an active and present danger. I mean, it is if you're in it. No, I I mean, yeah. 127 hours, man differs, Amy. What? The guy who cut off his arm. Uh, she's referring to the guy who went um hiking and he got his arm stuck somewhere and he ended up having to cut it off. Yeah. Okay. So, like, hours. if you're in it, it's just as powerful. It it might be, but there was a time when nature as a whole was not as much under the dominion of man. Yes. And a lot of the stories that you have just mentioned mention a time when nature itself was taking um like a, an authority over man that it just doesn't anymore. Yeah. Nature should not be viewed as the villain any longer. Because you have to have one heck of a stupid setup, yeah, to get yourself in a position where nature is going to be your enemy. Well, yeah. right, and yeah, you you could also maybe even argue that the dynamic between man and nature is just different, where yes. the, the the threats maybe have changed. Yes, as opposed to oh, I'm on a rickety boat, and then here comes a whale because. I'm stupid, and I went after a whale. Yeah. Um, or I, or trying to make a buck. Yeah. Um, you know, instead of, uh, you know, that, maybe it's something different. It would probably be smaller animals, or if you include pathogens as, you know, part or, of Or the- people who, like, 
try to run Buffalo off the road. Yes, there's that. So basically the dynamic has changed where nature is a threat based upon the stupidity of the individual. Yeah, and I still saying nature as in like the animals is, is more what I was talking about because clearly we do see a greater threat from nature in uh, storms or canyons. Yeah, canyon weather. Like what canyons like are coming you for you? What the heck one? are you talking? Like, yeah, still that stupidity. <laughs> like, 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 well, yeah. it's not, there's not going to be a canyon no, in my but, front yard. Okay, so like, that like, example, like, but... like, like, sinkholes, sinkholes. Sickles. 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 That's a canyon in your backyard. I got you. <laughs> or or not a canyon. It's a small canyon in your backyard. Sickle. I win. I win. A canyon uh, is formed by a river eroding over time. Nerd. Not a sinkhole. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you could say climate change is definitely a, a nature thing that would... Uh, Yes, threat, so. but like, but but ki- like ma- making personified it a, like, as, an, let's, as a single animal. Let's kill this rather endangered right. species of bear. Right. He was hunting them as a plot device. Yeah, no, right. I, I, yeah. yes, it's, I, it's okay. It's, all right, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a again. Uh, it's correct. People went out and killed stingrays. Yes. Right. Well, yeah, because <laughs> well, what's funny? Not funny. I well, should say. What's, our stories are reactive, right? This movie, this movie was made in 1997. Right. I think this is probably a better bear movie than Revenant. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right, and 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 I think you know uh, the irony of, for example, people killing stingrays after Steve Irwin died is that that's acting on an animal impulse we like to deny. Well, and he that wouldn't we have liked that he liked the Well, stingray. exactly. Well, no, exactly. Well, that's no, no, no. That response was ignorant. Exactly. Well, no, yeah. that's what, I, that's and, what I'm saying. It's an it's an impulse, an animal uh-huh. impulse. It, it was like a we revenge. Like, yeah, yeah. We, and we like to deny that. We like to think, oh, we're humans. We use, you know, iPhones, so well, we're so much better. And not just ignorant, though. Like, completely missing the point of this person it, it, yeah. they claim to care so much about. Yeah, it's, it, yeah. Yeah, you could almost call it. Um, it just, it's, I, I guess it would just be sort of a animal instinct, but that's kind of an insult to animals because most we, of them don't do revenge. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, which so is what you were trying to say the bear was doing. No, what was the bear doing revenge for? I don't know. Like he's you decided missed... you're going to die. Oh, oh. No, that's what Anthony Hopkins. No, no, no. It's not. It's not like. The bear is sitting down, just like I think it's gonna be Amy today. It's, it's. Well, no, no. She she was saying that if a Kodiak bear attacks you, you're gonna die. If for, if for whatever reason it has decided that you yeah, are its yeah, next yeah, meal, yeah. But it it would it would kill you that first time. It wouldn't unless, stalk you for several days. It's not a tiger. She, yeah. Well, I, I was gonna say I think what she's saying is that tigers stalk you. Well, I, I think what she's saying is that if there's the the confrontation between you and the bear, the bear is going to go after you. But what Amy's saying is that if the bear goes after you but doesn't get you, it's not going to organize a, a stock party. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, so, so I, I just think yeah. it's really neat though that there's a story, <laughs> right? Yeah, from eight days ago yeah. where that is what is being reported happened. Yeah, so so yeah. the bear came back. And it didn't need to stalk because the guy was holed up, right? So a little different than this scenario, right? But yeah. like, yeah, definitely. I mean, well, and I, I, I think to to and he probably had food left out. Well, I, yeah, I I, maybe. Stupid stuff. But I, I think mostly it, it this the story was just kind of playing on a 
a general trope in um, movies, novels, and stuff where nature is presented as an obstacle. And sometimes that's for metaphorical purposes, and sometimes it's a literal thing. But Mm -hmm. um, you could argue in this it's kind of metaphorical. It's kind of the conflict that brings out the friendship that falls apart when the conflict's gone. I would call it a truce before I called it a friendship. Because it was a quote-unquote friendship before they entered the gauntlet. True. Yeah, no, no, that's a good point. Maybe maybe the conflict just kind of reveals the superficial yeah. nature of that friendship and it becomes yeah. a truce out of necessity. Because it's on the airplane directly before they're taken out of the sky and the move like the story starts that Anthony Hopkins um confronts mm-hmm. Alec Baldwin and says, "So, how are you planning to kill me?" Right. Because Anthony or Baldwin's character wants Hopkins character's wife and then they are immediately taken out of the sky and it starts but but all right that I think that was the other thing that I had forgotten to mention (laughs) no not the birds the uh the whole well I'm having an affair gotta kill the man (laughs) like the assumption yeah but like like, that's actually what he wanted to do. Yeah, but the that, weird part. I know because yeah. they wrote him that way. Yeah, yeah. Like, like they made like, it they like so oh, it was an affair. So that I don't think murders. it's any affair. I think it's supposed to be like, like I, I think this story is about the emotion and the internal journey, and not actually how people. Well, are. also you could argue, and this would be an interesting way to look at it. Um, you could also argue that maybe Baldwin's character didn't have the idea of killing him in mind, but when Hopkins confronts him and says, so how are you going to kill me, which Hopkins may not have been entirely sincere, maybe that put the idea into his head. Or so Hop- when they crashed, yeah. he saw the opportunity. Or Hopkins, who'd been removed, yeah, read may- into something that wasn't there and presented the idea. Right. Like, may- he may have genuinely thought, this man probably wants to kill me because... That's what would make sense under these circumstances. Right. And then Baldwin's like, you're weird, but actually, though. <laughs> so so or, it's possible. Or he's going, well, I had to kill the last man married to my wife, so I guess it's someone <laughs> else's turn. Again, I love all the stories we're making around this story. Right. It's quite and, fun. And that, that's what's great about it, having a, a cliffhanger ending and kind of a you know very simple plot is that you're allowed to kind of read into it um maybe not specifically your own interpretation but mm-hmm. you're definitely allowed to kind of speculate as to you know it, it's like like good short stories kind of drop you into the middle of events and this movie kind of drops you it's into the middle it's about a 4 day period yeah. yeah yeah all right amanda do you want to give your ubric okay, and you you're familiar with the ubric correct yes, yes. okay good okay. I hope you're prepared because you're next. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Charlie, what's your Ubrick rating of this? Gold. 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 Words. Amy. <laughs> it's a little goofy. <laughs> it's a little goofy. It's okay. a little bit of a goofy movie. So so here's my follow-up to our Ubricks. Because they were all Positive, I'd uh-huh. say. Um, do we as a group think it's a bad movie? 
I enjoyed it, but it did have its a pretty big glaring problems that did bother me throughout the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that it is good in spite of its problems, which definitely exist. So it's kind of, it's like, uh, I don't know. It's like, it's like a candidate that runs for office and they've got some stuff you don't like, but you, you know, put, you put up with you'd it. put up with it. Okay, because because I think usually where we come down is it is bad for its politics, it's bad for its effect, and or it's bad. Um, I think I, I think it had bad politics. It did have bad. Politics. It had bad politics. Not as bad as it wasn't quite as in your face, but almost the subtlety of it was a little bit. It's um, more just like accepted standard. This is just how we view. Uh huh. Nature and, and non-white people. Yeah, it's, it's and, a it's a it's a bad set of ideologies. Yeah, but uh-huh. it, and billionaires. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah. it was less the focus and more set dressing. It almost seems. Yeah, right. I, I I can agree with that. Yeah, but also there were it, it had right. its moments right. of just like <laughs> oh man, okay. it was it was there, fun to watch. Yeah, and fun to make fun of. I, I right. remember making yes. fun of it a lot. I would call it sort of a psychological comedy, almost. Yeah. <laughs> a dark psychological comedy. Yeah, could have been darker though. Could have been darker though. Just saying. Um, that's that's kind of funny because uh, fun fact, apparently a lot of the character development was cut out, and Alec Baldwin blamed the bad performance of the movie on the director taking those deeper parts out. Ooh. So it got darker and more twisted. Yes. Oh dang! So anti-director's cut, <laughs> producer's cut, producer's cut. <laughs> Pretty much. Alec Baldwin's cut. Alec yeah, Baldwin's yeah. cut. Okay, so cool. It's still bad. We get to release this episode. Yes, we're gonna release <laughs> right. the episode. Cool. And we need to remind everyone that we're professionals. Don't watch these at home. <laughs> <laughs>